Let me do this, though, before we open the Word. You notice the title, We Are Better Together. We're going to be looking this over the next month. But I want to uh, uh, just say it's good for Pam and I to be back. We enjoyed our time away. For you that didn't know we were gone, you should have been here. Uh, man, Brett and Alan did an incredible job of, of uh, man, isn't it good? Isn't it good? Um, you all enjoyed the throwback time last Sunday night. And, uh, you know, you never know what a week holds so often. Um, uh, you know, I was getting home last Sunday evening. The, the throwback time was happening. You kind of go in from the afterglow and adrenaline of that. And then we go into Monday morning greeted with the thought of what took place in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, it just shows how desperately in we are in need of Jesus Christ. And uh, so that's going on. But while we were away, we were, uh, our daughter Mandy lives in London, so we, we went and spent time with her and were able to go up to Scotland for a few days. But also, we were able to go up. Now, I know, I know y'all think I'm just, I, I'm, I'm just real talented here. Uh, but I, I'm becoming known through, through globally. I want you to see the picture of, of some of my talent right here. Uh, we went and saw 42nd Street on the West End, and uh, they needed an extra, and uh, they used me, and uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. So, but also when we were we were there, we got a chance to catch the train and go up to Leicester and visit with Scott and Cheryl Robertson and their family. Scott and Cheryl minister in Leicester uh, to uh, people from really Southeast Asia, and and, uh, and so we, they, that are there now in England, so we had a chance to go spend time with them, and I just wanted you to, to just kind of see them. They say, they send their love and greetings back. Uh, I, uh, when we were there, uh, I said, we want to treat you, we want to take you out to eat anywhere, just to bless you, and uh, to, to uh, uh, just to love on you a little bit, and so where do they want to go? That's a Five Guys Burger in Leicester, England that uh, we are we are at there. So hey, you know that you can you can take a person out of America, but you can't take uh, America out of the person, right? And so that's that. But they sing their blessings, and so if you think about Scott and Cheryl and the family, uh, pray for them if you would. Um, if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me your your devices to Luke chapter six, and I'll kind of draw your attention to where we're going. In just a moment, uh, I think God has a good word today, and I think it's going to be challenging over the next few weeks as we, we look at this. And uh, uh, there's a story of a preacher who went to a country town to talk to their men, men's breakfast kind of thing. You know, the men got together for breakfast, and they invite the, the preacher in to speak. And before he speaks, he decided to call on one of the old farmers. He said, Hey, come on up. I want you to pray over over this time. So this old farmer gets up there, and preacher thinks he's made a good decision. Then all of a sudden, the man stands up there, and he says, Lord, I hate buttermilk. Now the preacher's kind of open. You know, he does that open one eye and thinking, man, I've made a mistake here. And then the guy continues and says, Lord, and I hate lard. And now he's really thinking he's made a mistake. And he's about to go up and uh, stop the guy. And then the guy says, Lord, and you know I don't care much for raw white flour either. And now he's, he's had it. He's about to stand up. I mean, he's about to pop up. And all of a sudden the farmer continued and said, but Lord, 
When you mix them all together and bake them up, I sure do love biscuits. And I share that with you because I think sometimes things hard need to be said and we need to be reminded and God cuts the heat up and things that we don't think we need, God wants to use to turn you into a biscuit. I mean, a something to be useful. And, uh, you know, we don't like that. None of us like hard times. None of us like suffering. But it's amazing how God can use that. So in Luke chapter 6, though, I want you to look at beginning with verse 12. And we're going to go to verse 19. We're going to unpack this a little bit and see what God has for us today. Keep your Bibles with you and take a pen or pencil and don't be afraid to jot down notes because it will help you to stay focused. And it says this, one of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Jesus had come to a point in his ministry already, even though it's young, we know that his public ministry didn't start until he was 30 years of age. He is now at that point where he's starting to do healings. People are starting to come and to follow, but he knows eventually the cross is where he's going. So what we're talking about today is vital in, in what took place, and it is vital for our lives as well. So I'm going to give you the message in a sentence so that you can write it down and, uh, and you can have it. It goes like this, is that communion leads to community, which leads to the commission. Let me read it one more time. You can write that down so you took notes. Communion leads to community, which leads to the commission. And let's see how to unpack that, because this is the way it works in us, and it's the way it worked with Jesus when he was on earth. Notice the first thing is that this. He went up to commune with the Father, so communion. He went up to spend time with the Father. In fact, it says he went up on a mountainside, and he prayed, and he spent all night praying. And praying is communing with God. And so that's what he did. He pulled away with this communion with the Father. And it's interesting that if Jesus needed to pull away and be with the Father, how much more do you and I need to pull away? If he needed it because of what he was facing, we need it for the things we face on a daily basis. We can't do it on our own. We need the Father. He is our life. In fact, Jesus said in John, he says that we must abide in him. We must, he must be our abiding place, that place that we go to, that we commune. And, and it, I kind of look at it this way. Jesus needed Father time. He needed time to be with the Father. He needed time to get instruction. He needed time to encouragement. He needed time for guidance. He, he, he limited himself in this earthly body, even though he was God in the flesh. He limited himself to spend time with the Father to hear from him. So here's the deal. There is a great temptation today for us to miss Father time, for us to not have it. 
I think we live in a day of much Christian activity. And I want you to hear what I'm about to say. I think we live in a day of much Christian activity, but little fruit. I mean, most of us are busy with good things. We're even busy with good church things. I mean, we're, we're going out and we're doing things. I mean, we, we've got, uh, uh, we've got a group that left, uh, for the weekend to go down to Orange, Texas to do some ministry and, and clean up down there and they'll be back tomorrow. We've got other people doing different things, going different places. And we're, we're seeing a lot of activity. And I'm not saying we're not bearing fruit. I'm just saying I think sometimes we're so busy with activity and we're missing the fruit. And I think the reason we're missing the fruit is because we're doing the activity in our own strength and saying, look, God, look what I'm doing for you. When he wants us to come and have father time with him, commune with him, find his encouragement, find his strength, find his feeling, and then we go out in his power and we see the fruit. The temptation, though, you know as well as I do, is to get distracted and to not spend that time with the father. You know, what happens in father time? Well, this is one of the big deals for me. I, I think when I pull away and spend time with the father... I am reminded of my identity. I'm reminded that I'm not who I think I am. I am who he says I am, and I am his child. You know, so much of us, especially us as men, we don't ask the question about who you are. What do we ask? What do you do? Because we think we're measured by what we do. And we spend time with the Father. Now we see our identity as him, and and what he allows us to do, he allows us to do. So we get that identity. But here's the deal. How do we have communion? How do we pull away to spend time with the Father? How do we have Father time? I, I was reading in Colossians 3.1 where Paul said, seek the things that are above. And, and that's hard because so, so often my head is down. I'm looking right here at all the activity and distractions instead of seeking the things that are above. So let me, let me kind of share with you what I think are some tips to help you in communion with the Father. Number one, and this is very difficult, is you have to come to a realization within your spirit to understand that father time is more important than anything else. You see, until you make that determination within yourself, you're going to constantly be distracted. There's always something crying for your time, isn't there? There's always something. There's always something you can be doing, and that stuff is taking you away so often from Father. It's, you know what's really odd? And I was thinking of this math, just, just being reminded of it, is that when, when I try to do everything else, I don't, I don't have time to spend with the Father. But when I spend time with the Father, it's amazing how He gives me time to do everything else. It is an odd mathematics. But that's the way it works. But we have to determine within ourselves, first of all, that father time is vital. And I'm talking about all of us, students, men, women, it's got to be vital for us. So number one is determine within yourself. Number two is this, you need to find your mountain. Jesus went up on a mountainside to pray. He pulled away so that he could be with the Father. And, and you need to find your mountain. I don't know where your mountain is. I, I don't know how you get isolated. But I want to encourage you a couple of things about your mountain. Number one is this, and this is the most difficult thing. Can you unplug? I I, I love that uh, Brett had a a simplistic worship today. This is what you call an unplugged set, so to speak. 
It's not the, the drums and, and everything, but it was a more simple set because I think it's a good picture of what we need to do so often is we need to unplug. You know as well as I do, we're addicted to our phones. I mean, we're addicted. We feel like if one email comes in or we hear one ding or anything, we have to look. And if not, we're totally distracted. We have to learn somehow to unplug, and that's difficult. But I'm going to challenge you that, unplug. If you're going to find your mountain, you need to unplug. Number two, now this one's just as difficult. This is making biscuits. See striving. So much of my life is like one of those little snow scenes that shook up, you know. You shake up that snow scene and you watch that all going on in there. And it, it looks kind of pretty, but it's a distraction. It's all, it's all striving. And that's the way my life is so often. And, and it's hard to pull away and get still enough to let that sand settle. That's why I'm so grateful our ladies went on this retreat, to just to be able to, to be away, even if it's 24 hours or, or a little bit longer, to be able to maybe cease striving a little bit, unplug and cease striving. And then the third one is, is goes along with that is you've got to learn to be still. And I know the ADD people in the, in the room are saying, no way. Are you almost through? Because being still, because it's in that stillness. In fact, where the, where the Word of God says, be still and know that I am God in Psalm 46, it's literally saying, cease striving. Be still and know that He is God. How are you doing with Father Time, really? I mean, um, do, do, do you struggle with focusing on the Father? I mean, the distractions of this world are constantly cry, crying out to you. How many of you remember, and I'm showing my age here a little bit, when TV actually used to cut off at night? And I would wake up in the morning and that test pattern would be on the screen and I'm just watching the test pattern waiting for something <laughs> to happen. Something's got to happen here. But now, I don't want to go back 50 years, but I do believe that the curse of our busyness keeps us from Father and thus keeps us from being fruitful. So communion. But communion with Jesus led to community. Look what happened next in the Scriptures. It says that when the morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them and uh, he names them off there. In other words, this was his band of brothers. This was his community. He needed the time with the Father, but he didn't only need the time with the Father, he needed time with other people. And community over the next month, we're going to be dealing with a little bit more in-depthly, but I wanted to kind of bridge it with you today. Here's, here's the key factor. We cannot do it by ourselves. You cannot do it by yourselves. God never called you to be a lone ranger to conquer the world. He didn't call you to be that. He didn't call any one congregation to be a lone ranger. We need each other. It's important. And, and Jesus called these guys together. And what's interesting is, is in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, which is, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Mark wrote his letter in chapter 3, he tells this same story. But one of the things he says is that he appointed the twelve, now, we're thinking he appointed the 12 to go out and do miracles and to go teach and to go baptize and all these kind of things. He said he appointed the 12 to be with him. You see, that's what community is all about. It revolves around Jesus. It revolves around the community you have with others around following after him and seeking him. I want to make a couple of comments about his team, though. 
If you were to study these 12 guys that, that he put around himself, number one is this. They were ordinary men. They were as ordinary as you could be. You had fishermen who, there were hundreds of fishermen on Sea of Galilee every day. You had a tax gatherer. He was just part of many tax gatherers. You had other guys who did other things we don't even know about. But let me, I'm just saying this. There was no first round draft choices for the NFL in his 12. There was no Nobel Prize winners among his 12. He took the 12, and this is who he had, and they were ordinary men. Why is this so important? How many people just feel so ordinary? Seven billion people on the planet, we're but a blip. Now, it's been said that we're the most narcissistic culture that has ever existed because how many of us feel like the most important thing on the whole Internet is our Facebook page? But still, we are as ordinary as you could be. You know, I'm just one of thousands and thousands of pastors in just the Texas alone. You're, you do what you do. You, you know, we, we feel so ordinary so often. But that's good. God uses ordinary. God uses the ordinary. And that's what, I don't want to grasp that today. God uses the ordinary. You've got what he wants to use. He created you the way he created you for a purpose. So they were ordinary. But number two, they were a strange mix, man. They were a very strange mix. When you look at these 12 guys, I, I, I thought about it this way. Imagine the first time they got together as a small group and they start introducing themselves. Let's start over here and let's start introducing ourselves, okay? Uh, okay, uh, John, I'm a fisherman. Got a brother, James. Okay, that's good. Good to hear you, James. I'm James Fisherman. Got a brother, John. Okay, let's go on a little bit. Simon Peter, fisherman. Uh, Matthew, I'm a tax gatherer for the Romans. Uh, okay, you know, they go around and then they come to a guy and, okay, what's your name? My name's Simon. Uh, what are you? I'm a zealot. What does that mean? That means I hate anything having to do with Rome. I hate that guy over there across the other. Imagine that small group if you've got to deal with that right off the bat. But that's who this mixture was. You've got, you've got uh, a guy who has been faithful to the Romans, ca- gathering taxes that nobody really liked. He has left out, but you've got Simon, who was a zealot that hated anything from Rome, and that's where he is. And they probably could care less about fishermen. And that is that group that Jesus brought together. You know what I love about that is that God takes the screwball things that we think can never work and create kingdom advancing things. And that's what he did. And he took this strange group and he put them together because this is the deal. God sees the heart. He sees the heart. Now... Let me talk to you about community because this is where we're going. And I've said it before that I really believe that, that um, if you come to Central and are part of Central, and I'm so glad you're part of Central, but all you attend really is a worship service and you have no kind of community, you, you will probably eventually uh, depart and go, go somewhere else because it is life on life that you grow. I'm not saying I don't say decent things and, and Brett and Allen knocked it out of the park. You heard some great things and the worship is good. I'm not saying those aren't good things. And I'm not saying you can't grow by those things. But it's doing life on life that is so important. And this is what I've discovered is I need so much more. And men, what I'm about to share with you, I've shared to ad nauseum and I understand that. But I, but I want to get it across to us one more time. I am not big on accountability. And, 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 I, and don't tweet that out yet. 
I am not big on accountability groups because out of Promise Keepers and everything back in the 90s, everybody got into accountability group and you got into the accountability group and, and it said, you know, uh, did you look at anything on the computer you shouldn't have? Were you faithful to your wife? Did you, how did you handle your finances this week? Did you cuss? Did you do anything? I mean, you're getting all these questions and, and I'd go to accountability group and I left feeling worse than I went in. I'm thinking, you, you guys know I'm screwed up. Why do you, what do you have to ask me about? I know I'm messed up. I know I'm going to fail. I know I'm going to blow it. You don't, you don't have to remind me how I'm going to blow it. I know I'm going to blow it. And somebody's going to say, well, Mark, you're, you're kind of hard on yourself. No, you get up here and tell me you don't blow it weekly. You, you tell me. We, we blow it. We're weak. We, we, we slip into this flesh so quickly. And yet we want to get up and say, oh, I've got it all together. No, you don't. No, even Jesus said, nothing is good but the Father. I mean, He, he is good alone. And, and I have to know that in my own life. And I'm not a bad, I'm not a rotten guy. I mean, I, I understand. But you see this, I see in here. And so when I sit down with a group of guys in accountability, I'm through and I'm thinking, I do not want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to that. Because here's what I need. I need protection. I need encouragement. I need growth. And I need support. Because I know I'm going to mess up. And so... And I use that P-E-G-S as an acrostic. The P, I need protection. I know left to myself, I will do the worst stuff in the world. I really will. And and Mark, don't don't you think God's Spirit is in you and He's redeemed you? Yeah, I don't do what I used to do, but I still know what's in there. Protection. I need encouragement. I need those days when I want to quit. I I need those days when, when I just want to give up. I need somebody to say, Mark, you're okay. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. And then I need growth. I, I, need, I need somebody who's going to challenge me. And this is where iron sharpens iron. I need somebody that's going to challenge me to be a better man. Okay? I, I need somebody that's going to make me better than I am. And then I need support. I need those times when I do step out on faith. I know I'm not alone. I know somebody is there got my back. I know that they're going to they're gonna be my best cheerleader and going to support me where I'm going. See, that's what I need, and that's what community offers. Now, listen, I'm not, you're not, you're not going to probably find 12 people to give you that kind of community. But you start by getting involved with somebody. And you're thinking, how do I do that? How do I, how do I mark, how do I begin to find community? Well, we have groups in, in the church, but l- hear me. Just because you're in a Bible fellowship with, with 10 to 12 or 20 other people doesn't mean you have community. If you're in a ladies group, you're in a men's group, you're in a, a, a student group, that doesn't mean you're having community. Community is so much more than just meeting together, but it helps. Because I remember when Pam and I were first married, we'd never been married before. And uh, we didn't know what was normal, what was abnormal. And and if there was an argument that meant, oh, man, our marriage is falling apart. You know, an argument has happened. And, and so we got into a small group of other couples that were newly married, along with an older couple there who was kind of the mentoring couple in there. And I remember sitting in that group, and we're all kind of a little bit timid and talking about things. And all of a sudden, one of the girls just decided to get authentic and transparent. She said, man, we had a fight, and uh, this is what it was over. And, man, we we were really struggling with that. And I want you to know, as soon as she said that, it was like the weight just fell off the shoulders. It's like, we're normal. We're normal. We're okay. 
But how many times do we not have some kind of authentic, transparent group to connect with to see that we're normal? So that 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 pegs is so important for me. But but how are you going to do it? Well, let me give you a couple of uh, thoughts on on how you can do it. I think first of all, go to the Father, go to the Father and say, Lord, I you know I need community. It was important to you. It's important to me. I need community. And then second of all, be proactive. Don't wait for the church to offer some class or uh, some group. See, that's a temptation to say, oh, it's the church's fault. They don't offer enough for me to get community. Well, you can be in a group and not have community. What you need to do is you need to be proactive. God puts somebody on your heart. Maybe it's just one other person or two other people and say, hey, do you mind just meeting? We, we can start out meeting for coffee every other week, but I just I just need some somebody in my life. And so... Uh, be proactive. Thirdly, be authentic and transparent. Nobody wants their time wasted over just talking sports with coffee. Now, you need those times. Don't get me wrong. But but uh, you need times that are going to iron sharpens iron for you to grow. And you need you need that to happen. And then last of all, take the risk. Take the risk. It is worth the risk to step out and to do that. So we'll be talking about community more over the next few weeks, but you need it. I, I can tell you this, it's amazing how that in, in a room this side, I don't know, 300 people in this room, there are some of you that are feeling so isolated. And, and is it the church's fault? Is it your fault? Is it just broken world's fault? Yes. But but how can we, Father, through you, uh, make make steps? Okay, we talked about communion, we talked about community. Now let's talk about the commission right quick. Because it says that after Jesus got his group together, that they went down and he started teaching. And as he taught, uh, the people came to hear him and they were healed of their diseases. And, and they, those that were troubled by impure spirits were cured. Listen, folks, you were created for good works. And as you spend time with the Father and as you spend time with others, it, you automatically go and fulfill whatever those good works were he had for you. And what does that mean? What are those good works? Well, I believe it all revolves around serving. You were meant to give yourself away because that's what Jesus did. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. So if that's what Jesus did, that's what we're going to do, okay? We're going to serve. We're going to give ourselves away. You remember in John chapter 13, let me tell you right quick. It's the night that Jesus was betrayed, but they come up to have the final meal. Jesus takes off his outer garment. He puts a towel around his waist, and he bows, and he starts washing the feet of each of the disciples. And, and uh, you may remember, he comes to Simon Peter, and Simon says, Oh, don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, Well, if I don't wash your feet, then you don't have anything to do with me. And, uh, you know, Simon Peter was either way up here, he's way down here, and he's type A, and he's driven, he's probably hyperactive at times. And uh, he says, well, then wash my whole body then, you know, and you think, oh, Peter, you know, good night. Uh, and so he washes and he washes the rest of their feet. And then he gets up, he, he takes the towel, put his garment back on. And this is what he says. He says, you ought to wash one another's feet, for I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. There it is. The thing that ought to set us apart is that we are full of love and service to other people. But notice what Jesus did. People came to hear him. They were healed. And those that were um, oppressed by the enemy, demonized, they were set free. I think there's a threefold thing here that's good for us to hear. 
Number one is we need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that 7 billion people on this planet were all lost, were broken. We needed a Savior. Jesus Christ came for all of mankind to give his life on a cross as a ransom for the forgiveness of mankind. And anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I mean, that is what needs to be put forward and forward and forward. You know, we hate what happened in Las Vegas. We hate what happens around the world when when people uh, step out and do demonic things. We hate that. Let me tell you, we will never legislate that. Only the good news of Jesus Christ will change those things. And so we have to... But how are they going to hear unless there's a preacher? Paul said that. How do they hear if we do not verbalize the gospel? So we have to let them know that Jesus is real. And then number two, when it comes to heal, the heal actually means wholeness. They're brought to wholeness. So sometimes your, your, your sickness is not physical, but you need somebody that's willing to love on you to wholeness. That's where the church has to be. We have to love people to wholeness. And then thirdly, it says those that were bothered by impure spirits, that they found relief. In other words, those Jesus came to take the captives and see them be set free. Those that were in emotional bondage, those in mental torment, those that the enemy has just bound up in all kinds of addictions and past um, strongholds and all this kind of stuff. God came to set them free, and he wants to use us as conduits to see that happen. But let me tell you something. If we're not spending time in communion with the Father and in some kind of community that helps protect us, I don't think we're going to carry out the commission. That's why these things are so important that we see right here in the Scripture. Last thing, and then then Brett and the team are going to come. I was reading in uh, Exodus about Moses. And, and uh, you know, Moses, according to the, the book called Numbers in the Bible, it says in there that Moses was the most humble man that ever walked the earth. I thought, man, that's that's a title. But but uh, Moses, one of the things Moses did is Moses, who had an incredible relationship with the Father, he, he took a tent and he set it up outside of the camp. So you've got all the camp, these millions of people, and he would take this tent and go set it up outside the camp, and that's where he would go and meet with God. And he would take Joshua with him. Joshua would stand outside the tent, and Moses would go inside. But it says he, he went out of the camp to spend time with God. And I thought about that. And I thought, man, we have to be willing to leave behind the camp to really go and be with the Father. I thought, what's the camp? And this is one of the things that hit me, and I want you to hear this. One of the major things that can keep us from experiencing God is the familiar. We are so used to the familiar. We've got it all worked out, man. This is what God's done before. This is what he'll do again. This is the way it's always been. This is what he'll do again. And we get so familiar with the things of God and, and just the things of life, and we're just so familiar that we're going through the motions, and we miss him. And so what I wanted to do this morning, I want to challenge you. And, Brett, y'all come on up. I, 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 want, to, I want to just challenge you for the next couple of minutes. And, you, and you, you've, if you've been around the last month, you notice that we're trying to extend our ministry time a little bit. We're taking a song off the front end and adding it onto the back end because here's why. This is the most important part of, the, of the, the service, we believe. It's not hearing me talk at you, lecture at you. It's not uh, anything other than the fact that we want you to hear from God. 
And so as we enter into this time, it's a time for you to respond. It doesn't necessarily mean coming to this altar or coming to a, a prayer person, but it sure might. It may not mean you come and take the Lord's Supper, but it might. But it may mean you sitting down or getting still before God and saying, God, what do you want to do with me? It may mean you going across the room and finding somebody and saying, hey, I need to pray with you. We want this. Here's the deal. I, I want people when they leave here to say, God was there. But here's my challenge. You ready? What is those familiar things that are keeping you from experiencing the Father? What are those things that have just come in? It could be distractions or whatever, but the familiar has kept you from the Father.